your exclusive home for prop sports. Oh, it's goal! It's good! This is Rowan Radio. Connors with the game winner! 89.7 WGLS-FM, Glassboro. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents the Rowan University Football Coaches Show, a weekly look at the latest happenings in Prof's football. Today's show is made possible in part by Barnes & Noble Bookstore, The Brown & Gold Gridiron Club, Inspira Health, Italian Affair Restaurant and Wine Bar, the Rowan University Alumni Association, and the Southwest Council. Now we take you to Italian Affair Restaurant and Wine Bar in Glassboro, New Jersey with Derek Jones and the head coach of Rowan University Football, Jay Accorsi, for the Rowan University Football Coaches Show. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. It is the Rowan University Football Coaches Show coming to you from Italian Affair in Glassboro. Derek Jones, as always, joined by the head coach of Frost Football, Jay Accorsi. And, Coach, welcome back and a victorious week for you in the Frost. Yeah, very nice. I might treat myself to a veal parm dinner tonight. Yeah. Oh, right hey, here. Right hey, here. That, that's a good victory meal right there. I might treat myself, right yep. <laughs> Plenty to celebrate for the Frost after a 21-14 win over the Red Hawks of Montclair State University. We'll go over that and, of course, have a visit with the Rowan University Football Players of the Week and look forward to Kane as well as the regular season starts to wind down for the Profs and, of course, take a look at what's going on around the New Jersey Athletic Conference. And, coaches, we started up. Big win for Rowan on the road. Never easy to win at Montclair State. A game where you were offensively relatively steady. You score a touchdown each quarter going into the fourth. And then it's 21-7. They score in the fourth, but you're able to get the 21-14 win. Tell me about some of the, the key points of that game from your perspective. Yeah, again, I thought we came out really well. It's probably the you know our best performance early in the game as opposed to the whole season. And I'd like to hit, kick that field goal to give us a little bit more. But um, yeah, I thought we played really well. I thought we did a lot of great things. I thought defensively we played really well at times as we have, and I thought offensively we were efficient and scored points and, and got on, on top. I, you know, one of the coaches reminded me, it had been 2012 since we last won up there. So that, was wow. a long, that was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and, and it's always a good win against Montclair, and it's always a good win up there. No question about it, as the props were able to really utilize some big plays from the offense to pick up that win. And, you know, we, we've seen that more so – and, and, and this is not to say anything about previous iterations of the Profs offense, but in previous years, it has been tougher to get those big plays, but we've seen it so many times this season, the plus 20-yard splash plays, Kevin Degnan with a 76-yard touchdown catch to open up the scoring. Yeah, th you know, I think we have some more dynamic players than we've had in the past. Obviously, we had John Maldonado last year and C.J. Barrett, but we have a lot more this year. So when teams maybe start to really hone in on one player or another player, we've been able to go to a lot of other players. Um, you know, Marlon Boston was able to run the ball. He's back. We haven't had Marlon for a while. So it just seems like it's been a lot of different players for, for us offensively, which is really good. And when you can make those dynamic plays, it's really important. Interesting game for Nate Myers. You look at his numbers, 11 of 14, 161 yards, three touchdowns, two of his three incompletions ended up being interceptions in that game. But when you take a look at everything else, it came out pretty good. Yeah, and one should have been caught. One hit our chest. It should have been caught in the hands and caught for probably close to a first down. Um, he's really efficient. 
He's well beyond his years of maturity for a freshman. Um, and he sees the field really well. And But he also makes those really hard throws, you know, those throws to receivers quick and fast in space. We do, Everybody talks about the RPOs and the slip screens and the slip plays. When the ball comes out fast, um, when the ball comes out quick and deliberate to the right player, a lot of good things going to happen. And he's done that, and I think we're starting to, you know, have a lot of players before be, become more comfortable with him at the trigger spot. How about the rushing attack? You mentioned Marlon Boston, Nunez Bakula also back in the fray for, for the props. What did you see out of that rushing attack? Yeah, I thought we did pretty well. Mar- uh, you know, Marlon Boston obviously hadn't played in a while, and he was able to get some critical yards in some critical situations for us. Tyshawn Bookman still played really well. Um, you know, Nunez played pretty well. But again, you know, two freshmen and a sophomore that hasn't played football in a couple of years, you're trying to make up for James Farah. You don't do that. Um, but I thought they did a really good job. And, again, Montclair's always really good against the run. They're very stout. Um, but I think we were able to run the ball at points of the game that we really needed to to, you know, take a little pressure off of Nate. And that's going to set up the long pass plays, too. Now they start to crowd the box. Now you start to throw it around a little bit. You create a seam, and then, boom, you're gone. So, you know, you got to use the run to set up the pass and i think we're doing a good job of that right now when you take a look at how that game played out did you notice and we talked about going in kind of montclair state with the new uh leadership at the top with rick giancola stepping down did you notice any any change in the style of play physically or more of the same no i think they were more the same obviously mike palazzo was the defensive coordinator last year so the defense is very similar um, you know, the offense coordinator's back, so their offense was very similar. Again, it looks like they're trying to figure out who their quarterback is, so I think we were able to pose some problems, get some batted balls, get after them a little bit, get an interception. You know, so I think we were part of that process. But, again, I think they're, you know, maybe like we were earlier in the year trying to figure out who is going to be your quarterback. And when you're doing that, it just sets your whole offense off. How about Miles Cook? We're going to hear from him later. Four tackles in the game and also an interception as well. Yeah, again, you know, Miles has been hurt most of his career, um, you know, and I know, you know, talking to him, he's probably a little bit disappointed about it. But, you know, the injuries are part of it. Um, and I thought it was just great. You know, he's be able to fought his way back to get back on the field. He's played really good the last couple of weeks. He had a great game up there. And he made a huge play. So, you know, sometimes – you're not able to do what you want to do with the injuries and not being on the field as much as you want, but you still got to stay the course. Miles is that perfect example. Right place, right time, had a really solid game, you know, and, and really did a great job and got us the ball back to basically finish the game. And you have to feel good for him because yeah. he's a senior, and absolutely. that's his first career interception yeah. to help seal a game. Yeah, absolutely. And, again, uh, you know, because Eric Bryan's playing so well on the other side, you know, they've tried to go to the other side, and now with Miles back, he's able to spot play A.J. Curvin a little bit and some of the others. So, again, it's all part of that process. So they're not going to go to Eric's side. Now they're going to go to Miles and A.J.'s side. Miles there, and he, you know, he, he gets the interception, which was, you know, a really great play by him. Now, you go back to last week, you had talked about when you addressed the team, you know, you, you said – We've got to focus on beating the New Jersey schools. Let's yeah. let's try to 
use that as a, as a way to, to yeah. finish out things, and, and that has to be a, a nice first step to be yeah. able to do that. I mean, obviously, you, you find little ways to, you know, um, you know, create excitement with your team. You find little ways um, to make things maybe more important. Obviously, you know, we're probably not going to win the conference, probably not going to go to the playoffs, so what do we think about next? And for us, for recruiting, it's huge to do really well in New Jersey. Almost all our players are from New Jersey. We go against all the other New Jersey schools in recruiting. So now, okay, let's think about what we need to do. Let's stay undefeated in New Jersey, and we're able to do that right now, and that's our push forward. And that's huge in recruiting, too. You know, New Jersey high school is great high school um, football great high school football players you know Montclair Kane Willie P College University and us kind of fight for the same pool and again it's really important in recruiting too and it's it's great to say too you went undefeated in New Jersey one of the big reasons why you're able to win that we, we talked about the defense and the big play made by Miles Cook but also we heard from Aeneas Robinson last week and yep. he had a big game too, eight yeah. tackles to lead the team yeah you know Vinny Guarino had another big game um you know we and again I think it's that defensive line we're just starting to get really good production from the defensive line to honey Clifford who's from the Montclair area had a huge game you know and you would expect him to playing in his backyard so I think that development of the defensive line certainly helps the linebackers and certainly helps the back end with the DBs. I want to go back to something you talked about. You, you mentioned kind of as a, as a part of this, um, winning the games against the other New Jersey schools, you know, it helps recruiting. I mean, is that something that sits kind of in the back of your mind heading into a lot of these games? In previous years where you say, hey, it's always important because you never know who's watching in a lot of cases for, for a game that you have against an in-jack Yeah, and it is because you're playing in New Jersey, right? So you're potentially playing against, you know, potential recruits at every game, whether it's home or away. Um, and, again, it becomes really, really important for us, especially when we go in North Jersey. We have a lot of good players from New North Jersey on our team and Central Jersey, so we want to represent ourselves when we play up in those areas against the teams from that are, that are from there, and we need to come out victorious, and so far we've done that this year. The props, 296 yards of total offense, the 375 for Montclair State. But when you take a look at the, the big plays in the course of the game, obviously turnovers a, a part of that, the props coming up with that big interception late. Third down conversions, though, very interesting. Montclair State, 413, Rowan, 8 of 14. And yeah. that sometimes tells a story. Yeah, and penalties. They had nine for 90 yards. We had four for 40 or 45. You know, those are huge plays. Um, and, again, you know, when you take into account penalties and you, you take into account third down conversion, you talk about those things. You want to convert on third down because you want to maintain the ball. We did that, and we didn't allow them to do that. You know, you want to maintain your composure when you're on the field and not give up yardage and give up plays. You know, they helped us in, in a few of those drives – that, um, you know, were critical errors in their judgment um, that helped us sustain drives. So, yeah, third down was huge, and then, you know, being penalty-free for the most part was huge for us as well. The Red Hawks were two for five in the red zone yep. in the game. How much does the defense spend, how much time do they spend working on that kind of red zone situation with the opposing offense yeah we did that today and we do that on thursday so we work on red zone offensively and defensively so the offense can get some work in that area and then you know try to put in some field goals and extra points which is what we do and then defensively try to stop it so thursday's kind of red zone 
Um, Tuesday's first and second down, regular field. Um, you know, Wednesday is a little bit more second and long. Uh, Thursday's more red zone third down. So you got to spend time on those facets of the game. Um, and it shows, and, and that's a big part of it. And now the props get ready for the Kane Cougars on Saturday at 1 o'clock. Um, as you take a look at the Cougars here, and we'll talk a little bit more about them coming up, uh, what stands out to you about them? It, it's been a, a tough season for them so far. Any team that's 0-8 or 0-whatever is really scary because they have nothing to lose, everything to gain. So we're going to see reverses, onside kicks, double pass, reverse passes. We're going to see the gamut of everything, fake kicks, fake punts. You know, they, they have nothing to lose, and you've got to be careful of that. Um, and we've talked about that with our players. you got to prepare like you would the same every week. They're a good football team. They're really young in a lot of spots. They're, they've struggled, again, at the quarterback position for them. Um, and it looks like they've struggled running the ball a little bit, which is unique for a Kane team because Danny Garrett's teams are always play great defense, which they are, but usually very stout, can run the ball, and then mix it up. That's where they're struggling a little bit. We need to make sure those struggles continue for them. The game's up there have always kind of been <laughs> under Dan Garrett a little, you know, but they've been a little bizarre. We've seen snowstorms. We've seen this. We've seen that. Uh, what stands out to you about the, the the style of play that Kane brings? Because Dan Garrett does come from that Montclair State yeah. kind of a tree from the Rick Giancola line. Yeah, it's a, again, it's a tough, like Montclair, um, you know, like William Patterson, it's tough to play up there. you got to travel through the traffic to get up there. Um, each field is different and unique, um, you know, and again, it's just a really hard place to, to play. And, um, you know, they're going to be prepared. I know that, you know, a Dan Garrett team is always going to be difficult to beat. So we need to be prepared. But we need to do the same things we did last weekend against Montclair. Understand how to travel to go up there, understand about the business at hand, understand what we need to do during the game, you know, and then be prepared for a team that's a little bit different because they have nothing to lose. They really don't. And the Kane Cougars and the Profs will lock it up on Saturday at 1 o'clock with a, the penultimate game, as they say, of the 2023 regular season. As we get set here for our first break, a reminder, you'll hear from the Rowan University Football Players of the Week. We'll also have the Rowan University Football Fan Questions uh -oh. of the Week as well. And a whole lot more here on the Rowan University Football Coaches Show as the Profs with a win over Montclair State advance their record to 3-5 and five on the season. And now kind of gridlock in the end, Jack. Yeah, two out, and two. Outside of Christopher Newport, there's Montclair State, Salisbury, each 3-2, and TCNJ, and Rowan at 2-2. Two and two. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's been that way. And, again, I kind of had a feeling the conference would be like that as well. So um, it's really tough play in the New Jersey Athletic Conference. And we will talk more about the NJAC coming up in just a little bit. We'll run down the scores from the New Jersey Athletic Conference and much more here on the Rowan University Football Coaches Show from Italian Affair in Glassboro. But when we come back, we'll hear from the Rowan University Football Players of the Week right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Stay tuned. More headed your way right after this. WGLS-FM programming is made possible in part by Inspira Health. Getting sick is never convenient, especially when you're juggling a full course load, a job, an internship, or all three. The MyInspira app allows you to access care at home, between classes, or on the go. 
Services include consulting board-certified doctors by phone or video chat to get a quick diagnosis and treatment for non-emergency medical issues, from acne to the flu. You can see a doctor immediately or select a time for your virtual visit that works for you and your schedule. Download the MindSphere app to get started today. Inspire Health is a proud supporter of programming on Roan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. No matter who we are or where we come from, we all experience difficulties in life. Military veterans know that sometimes it takes strength and determination to make it through. Whether it's physical challenges or struggles on the inside, it takes strength to ask for help when you need it. Learn how veterans like us have reached out for help and hear stories of strength and recovery at maketheconnection.net. Saturday mornings at 8 a.m., tune in to Rowan Radio for everything special needs. Join Sue Schilling in supporting parents in the special needs community with information on important resources. You'll hear from a variety of local specialists intent on helping all of our children thrive. We'll also take your questions and comments and, of course, brag about your child's recent accomplishments. So join us for everything special needs Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM and online at rowanradio.com. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM back here at Italian Affair in Glassboro. It's the Rowan University Football Coaches Show. Derek Jones joined by the head coach of Prost Football, Jay Corsi. And we are now joined by the Rowan University Football Players of the Week, wide receiver Jake Scheike and also Miles Cook, the defensive back gentleman. Welcome to the show and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having me. So, this season has been certainly up and down run for the props here, but last Saturday you were able to get a win against Montclair State. Take me through your thoughts. First, we'll start with you, Jake. What did you see in that game and how things played out? Going up there is always a tough test for us with also how they play us. You know, a couple years ago we had a, a rivalry and some big games against them, so going up there is always a good test, but um, I just thought the guys came out pretty sharp. You know, we were all locked in and we just kept the ball going, and throughout the whole game, we just kept our head down and kept going. So, Miles, you played a pivotal role in that game. The big interception late. Walk us through that play, what you saw, and how you got the pick. Um, well, just at halftime, we kind of made adjustments for uh, coverages that we were in, um, receiver matchups that we were facing, um, just to hang on to that number one receiver just a little bit more. So in that in that crucial moment, um, you know, with Garner number eight, he was a taller guy, so I knew that he might have been a primary target. Uh, so I just went through my, my rules, just kind of hang on to him, hung on to him a little longer, and I uh, was able to make a play on that ball. So you make the play. What's your first reaction as soon as you make that play? Um, I, a lot of things run through my head. That was my first college pick, so I, I didn't know whether to run the ball. I didn't know whether to take the <laughs> knee. I just a lot of emotions going through my head. But um, I held on to that ball tight and made sure it, it was going to be punched out. That had to have been a gratifying moment for you. We were talking before you got here about, you know, it's senior making his first interception mm -hmm. in his career, and it's it's been an up-and-down run for you because of injuries. Uh, it, it, this has to be kind of a gratifying moment for you. Oh, yeah, all the, all the hard work I've, I've put in over the years being here, it's finally paid off. When you take a look at some of your teammates around you on that defensive side, especially a cornerback. I mean, it, how much does it help having some of those guys back there? We've uh, talked to Miles Bryant. I mean, it's been, been really uh, fun to kind of get to know some of these guys, or Eric Bryant, I should say. Yeah, um, just being with them since, since 2021, since that season after COVID, um, you build that relationship, you build that, uh, that chemistry. So uh, being back there with all of them for, for that long, uh, you, you have a certain level of trust in everybody. And, you know, you depend on everybody to make a play, um, and they come through. 
Jake, for you, you get a chance to see this defense on a day-to-day -day basis. I mean, have you gone head up against Miles in, in practice? Uh, tell us about your experiences going up against the DBs. For sure. Um, we got a bunch of good DBs. Um, a couple guys just came in this year, but Miles, Eric Bryant, a couple others have been there for definitely over like three years now, so I feel like their chemistry has been pretty good, but, you know, every day is competitive. Every day we're working 100%, so, you know, get the best of us, we'll get the best of them. So. Talking to Coach Acorsi in the previous segment, we talked about the big plays that the wide receivers have been able to make this season. Seems like it's a really athletic group that's been able to take advantage of defenses. What have you seen out of the wide receiver play, and how deep is that group? Because it seems like it's a different guy every week making a play. Mm, yeah, so like last year we had John, and that was pretty much the name for the receivers. But as this group that came in, we have one or two transfers came in, but this group has been together since that season after COVID. And, you know, exactly what Miles was saying, chemistry, it all builds up, especially with the new quarterback coming in. We have to gain trust with them. But as our receiving group, I think uh, we could do some big things. And, yeah, the ball's being spread around this year. So, How different of an adjustment has it been for you? You mentioned the quarterback. You've had Nate in there. You've had uh, Noah Bernardi in there and, and Thomas as well. I mean, how different has that been for you to kind of get used to the quarterbacks? doesn't seem like there's been – any kind of slippage in the wide receiver play it's been pretty consistent throughout the year yeah but i'm saying uh in practice we we play through uh three quarterbacks so we're getting used to everyone so if man goes down the next man's up and there should be no differences on how we play our game and how we run our routes and how we adjust off things miles what have you seen out of this wide receiver group on your end as a group you practice against on a day-to-day -day basis uh consistent playmaking uh the hard the hard to guard uh they'll definitely go up and make a play um They'll route you out. They got speed and hands. You know, there's a, there's a talented receiver group over there. How have you guys grown as a team defensively from the start of the year till right now? Um, like it's that it's that trust aspect again. Like, um, you know, we're just not getting being able to mold as a group. Uh, the past couple of weeks, our our run defense has been really good, um, as well as the back end and just being able to produce turnovers every game. How about from your side of things, Jake? I mean, this has been a team offensively that's faced a lot of adversity throughout the course of the year because of injury. How do you feel like the team's responded to it? Yeah, game one, Terry going down was definitely a big loss to the receiving group. But, you know, next man up, and we put our head down all next week. We started practicing. You know, we can't uh, complain about one person being down. So we just worked hard and kept it together and striving. Coach, it's been a very interesting dynamic to watch the receivers this year because he just hit on it. It's kind of been a next-man-up mentality for this group, and they've delivered. Yeah, and again, I, I think, you know, John Maldonado's name comes up a lot, but I think it's because the standard that he set and the receivers before him as well. Um, and again, I think the group now is deeper, more experienced. We mixed in some really good new players, I think, with the group. Um, and it's been a learning process for all of them, and, you know, it's kind of like, you know, a few years ago we were able to put three, four wide receivers out there that we feel very comfortable with. We're not there yet, but, again, when you can do that and then all of a sudden turn around and pound the ball, you know, that makes a big difference. Again, you got to give them a lot of credit. We haven't had James Farris, so we've been running the ball effectively but not like we would with him in there. That affects the pass game, you know, and that really affects everything that goes on. So I give those guys a lot of credit. They work really hard. They work just as hard blocking as they do running and catching. Um, and you'll see them all block for each other. And I think that's the part that's, that's really critical. And, again, you know, like 
Jake mentioned, guys have caught touch. You know, I think everybody's almost caught a touchdown pass. Mm -hmm. Jake's got, what, two this year? You know, um, everybody has a couple here and there. That's just going to make us more explosive as an offense. One of the things we've talked about throughout the course of the season is the team's ability to really hone in kind of those last four-ish minutes of a half. We've seen so many times this year the Rowan offense or the Rowan defense come up with big plays towards the end of a half. What is that attributed to? How is that able to happen, especially on the wide receiver end? Because it seems like you guys are always making a big play to close out a first half, to close out a possession as you head into halftime. I mean, we do two-minute drill, I think, every practice. And so we're used to these situations. We love going on the fly. We love, you know, play after play. Let's rush to the ball. Like, we work for these situations. So I think when these plays do happen, like, it's, it's a little surprising, but it's nothing new to us. You're 6'5", about 200 pounds or so, I think 205 in the listing. I mean, when you're, when you're out there, how much of an advantage do you feel like you have over the DBs because of your size? Oh, with my size, I think in the red zone, I definitely have a little advantage. You just got to throw the ball up, and I'll hopefully make a play on it. Like Coach Ty says, 80-20 balls, and so I really stick by that motto. So, Miles, how tough is it to check a, a taller wide receiver? Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 average height. I'm five nine. So in my mind, I'm always thinking, you know, jump ball, jump ball. So I'm always trying to, uh, you know, do my job, keep my hands on, stay in stride, um, closing on that hip, uh, make sure I play through the hands. Well, I did want to ask you about a guy we had on this show earlier this season, Eric Bryant, who was, you know, one of the things that struck me about talking to him was just it was a kind of a quiet confidence. What's it been like playing opposite of him? Because he's another guy who, because of his ability to pick up interceptions, teams are going to start looking elsewhere to, to kind of put that football. What's it been like playing with him? Oh, it's been great. He's like my, that's my, like my little brother. Um, I learned off of him. He learns off of me. Um, always always going to critique him. Um, always going to try to uh, encourage him to get better. And, that, and he's shown that this season for sure. Jake, you were a transfer from Hobart, I believe. Mm -hmm. What did you learn about Rowan when you first got here? What were some of the things that attracted you to the program? The guys on the team, you know, they took me in like a brother from the start. So just starting off like that, I, could, I just fit right in. And meeting the coaches, they were great to me. You know, they gave me a shot to join a team, and I was blessed enough to take it. And I started off in spring ball and then started off a little rough our first season here. And then we got back on a winning pace my uh, junior year. And then this year, you know, I'm just fin trying to finish strong. Coach, what has stood out to you about Jake and, and his ability to, to acclimate himself into the program and produce? I think his work ethic. I think, you know, if you were to ask him why he's being successful now, it's because he's worked really hard from the beginning. And, um, you know, we're really demanding of our players, and, and I understand that, and I appreciate them being able to take that hard, constructive criticism. That's not easy this, this day and age. A lot of people shy away from it. Um, but we try to, as coaches, be upfront, open, and honest and, and challenge each other. The awesome part about Jake this year was watching him interact and tell the younger players where to go. You're like, wow, that's awesome. You know what I mean? And easy. You know what I mean? And that same with Miles. You know, that's you, you just don't want to be a player. You want to give something else back. I always tell the seniors, your legacy is what are you leaving to the younger players when you leave and how do they remember you? Um, and I'm always really proud of how the older players, um, you know, work with the younger players and help them mature and grow and give them the wisdom or just the little things to help them get by because it's not easy to do. And both of these two are perfect examples of that. 
Probably not yellers and screamers, these two. Um, but by their actions and what they do, and they work hard every day and work through adversity, it shows. And I'm just couldn't be more happy for for both of them. Is there a moment when that clicks for you guys? Because you know, anytime you're a newer player, you may feel like, okay, let me let, let me listen to the vets here to hear what they have. But is there a moment where it clicks in your head and say, wait a minute, I can I can step up and kind of fill a leadership spot here on the team yeah I mean um, your first couple of weeks being and being a new guy you kind of just want to learn what you know what the seniors are doing kind of get like the the tradition of the program is but once you see what you could do and you could be a leader it's you know it's, it's your time to step up and be the role model for the younger guys how about for you miles yeah it's just um uh, for me you know I'm, I'm, I'm a little more on the quiet side but I've always I've always put my head down uh, done the work and just kind of been that uh that visual example instead of being a vocal example, but, you know. How about your road to get to Rowan, fifth year for you? What's it been like kind of, A, getting into the program, and, and how quickly did you kind of acclimate yourself into to working with the guys? Yeah, when I transferred, this is this was the only school that I, I wanted to go to. It's the only school that I chose, um, and, and I was blessed to be able to have this opportunity to join the team and, um, you know, done what I've done. Um, I'm sorry, what was that second half of that question? What's it been like kind of acclimating, acclimating yourself to the program and getting to, to know the guys when you dating back more so when you first got here into the program? Yeah, uh, just kind of being around everybody. Um, introduce yourself to them. Um, they're consistent with talking to you. And, and for me, that, that just gives me more comfortable to be around everybody and kind of uh, talk to everybody else as well. Coach, we, we as... You know, media people cover the team, and we talk to fans, and you hear about, hey, how, you know, how many transfers does Rowan have coming in this season? It's not easy to get transfers, A, but B, when they get to the program, it, not everybody works. I mean, I think one of the things that you see here with two guys in this situation are guys who came to this program and, and fit in very well, which is not easy to do in a lot of cases. Yeah, and, you know, the transfer rules have completely changed, and you don't see the big-time Division One transfers anymore with the APR, and they have to leave the school eligible and be in good standing. And it's, it's not like it used to be back in the 90s. A lot of people don't understand that. But you still get your handful of those types that try other schools or go other places, and it may not be the right fit. Um, and, again, I think in both their cases that was probably the case. They had an opportunity to come in. Um, you know, good students. So, you know, the lore is that Rowan's a really good academic school and it didn't work out at some other schools, but you're interested in Rowan academically and athletically and socially. Um, and again, it, it's a gamble as a coach. You don't want to be known as just somebody that takes a million transfers, but we've had some really good ones over the years. And in their cases, they've been here a couple years. So you're not finding that one fixed player that I think can ruin the chemistry of what you have. Um, we get a lot of players that their first choice didn't work out. They got a couple years left, and they meld in really well, and both of them are examples of that. You know, academically, socially, and athletically. You know, the football is just that small piece, right? It's the academic piece and the social piece that you want to make sure they're the right fit for, for what you're trying to do with your program. So, Jake, you're from Mountain Lakes. Miles, you're from Willingboro. Yep. Talk to me about your high school experiences and kind of how you honed your love for football. 
Um, starting in high school, man, like I grew up being the water boy for the high school team, so I always loved the, you know, Friday Night Lights. It all just grew on me. But once I got to high school, I knew this is what I wanted to do in college. So, you know, working hard every day. I loved the whole summers with the guys on the team. But it's not just the football part of it. It's the brotherhood that you could just know so many guys. And before going to school, you know 90 guys already. So that, to me, is the reason why I love the game of football. And just playing it, obviously, I love it. But most part of it, I love the brotherhood. Miles, how about for you? Yeah, um, growing, up, growing up playing multiple sports, uh, football was kind of one that stood out. It was like, this is natural for me. Um, so uh, as well as being in high school, like Jay said, uh, kind of like training camp. You come in and you, and you get to know like 90 kids. And before you start school, hey, I, I got friends uh, in all grades. Um, and also just speaking on it, uh, that, that brotherhood that you get, because now everybody's blessed to play uh, just a sport in general, uh, let alone football. But, you know, playing football, what you go through, blood, sweat, and tears, it brings you closer and you really uh, create that brotherhood with everybody. Before we let you guys go, I, I, I got to ask, you know, your favorite NFL teams, your favorite NFL players. Let, let's go through this a little bit. When, when you, at your specific positions, who are some guys that you say, hey, I'd like to model my game after this particular player? Calvin Johnson. Oh, okay. Megatron. Megatron yeah. yeah, I like it. I like it. Okay, well, what stands out about Megatron? I kind of, I don't know. I see his height. I see my height. I love how he jumps up and grabs the ball, and I just love his style of play. So. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Miles, how about for you? It's, it's tough because there's a lot of good players out there. Um, A.J. Terrell, Pat Sertan, mm -hmm. younger guys who are just very technical at their position. How about your favorite teams? Philadelphia Eagles. Okay. <laughs> New York Giants. Yeah, I had a feeling. <laughs> North Jersey, got it. I had a feeling. I had a feeling it was going to be a, a Giants answer. And, and, hey, we'll see what happens the next couple of, uh, of weeks here with the Giants. they got the Eagles coming up way down the line. I got to ask you, though, about that game Sunday between the Giants and the, hear about and the Jets. It. I really don't. I mean, it was, it, was, it was not critically acclaimed, so to speak. Tommy DeVito coming in to play quarterback. I mean, what, give me your thoughts. I mean, once I saw that, I mean, I knew they weren't going to throw the ball. And, but luckily, they, that option was working where they did get him getting into the end zone. But that decision to kick instead of just punting and pinning it, because they weren't, no team was moving the ball all day with the conditions of the weather. So I thought just a punt would have won them the game. Now, as an Eagles fan, you don't have to worry about that problem right now. What what are your thoughts about the Eagles so far? Um, it, I mean, it's been a great season. A kind of uh, just a, a, a mirror off of what last season was, and you hope that we we make it to the Super Bowl again. Um, but we're about to go into that long stretch of playing these bigger teams. So uh, we'll see what we'll see what we come out. Hopefully, hopefully we handle things. Coach, I'm not sure how much of you you saw of that Jets Giants game None. last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but ha have you faced a situation where you've seen a team kind of significantly hamstrung by what's going on to the quarterback because of injury, and that you really almost have to not throw out the playbook, but you can't really do what you want to do. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think, you know, when, when Thomas got hurt at TCNJ and we threw Nate in, um, you know, we were trying to rally around and figure out what to do. And I thought the players were really great about that part, um, you know, to make it work. And that there's nothing more, you know, frustrating, whether you're a player or a coach, that you're just like, man, I wish we could do this. I wish we could do that. I wish, you know, that's, <laughs> that's easier said than done. Back about their favorite teams we have senior lunch on fridays mm -hmm. like 
Jake and the guys, like, it's the same conversation in my world <laughs> every year with all the players. But I love it because they get passionate about it, passionate about their teams, passionate about their high school teams, yes. which is a better high school team, <laughs> which is a better area of football, which it's that constant conversation mm -hmm. that never ends. And I think I've heard, I started, started hearing it when I first got here in 93. And that conversation is going to continue tomorrow. We have senior yeah, lunch. Yeah. But it's just a passion about it, right? you got to love those that are passionate about something in their lives. I appreciate our players that they're passionate about football because it has to be important. Um, and, again, whether you're watching or playing, you know, there's nothing better, right? And these guys will be at tomorrow's senior lunch again talking about all those fun things. Guys, as we round things out here, last couple games of the regular season what are you looking to accomplish in the last couple of games uh in the regular season obviously as a team you want to win but anything individually you're looking to improve on as you head down the home stretch here i'm just trying to take in every moment i got i mean i think it's I'm, two more games so that's two more games i got left in my career so just trying to soak it all in and you know just be with the guys as much as i can for the last stretch the home stretch so how about you, Miles? Same. Uh, just kind of cherish these last couple moments. Uh, even if it's a win or loss, man, uh, just kind of appreciating my last couple moments with these guys uh, for the rest of our life, really. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for spending time with us here on the Rowan University Football Coaches Show. Miles Cook and, of course, Jake Scheike. Gentlemen, continued success to both of you this Saturday and beyond. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. it. Thank Appreciate you. you having me. This is the Rowan University Football Coaches Show right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. When we come back, it'll be time to take a look at the NJAC scoreboard and much, much more. Stay tuned. We'll have more headed your way right after this. Ooh, RowanRadio.com? What's this? A full program and sports schedule for WGLS so you never miss your favorite shows? Station archives to see the history of Rowan Radio? A virtual tour of the station? They even have podcasts, too. Oh, and you can listen online. Oh, I love this song. Go to RowanRadio.com for more Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. WGLS programming is made possible in part by Barnes & Noble, the official bookstore for Rowan University. Located at 201 Rowan Boulevard, Barnes & Noble is your number one choice for profs gear as well as a wide assortment of gifts, accessories, and sportswear. The bookstore is open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., Saturday from 10 to 6, and Sunday, 10 until 6 p.m. The Starbucks Cafe opens 8 a.m. Monday through Friday and at 10 a.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. For more information, their website is rowanbookstore.bncollege.com. The Barnes & Noble Bookstore is proud to be a supporter of Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM back here at Italian Affair in Glassboro. It's the Rowan University Football Coaches Show. Special thanks to Jake Scheike and Miles Cook for joining us here. Great to hear from them and two outstanding young men. Yeah, the most I've heard them speak in their whole careers um, Besides except, the senior lunch. Except for the senior lunch <laughs> when they do the North Jersey Giant Jet and the South Jersey Eagle fan thing. But um, two great young men. They do really well in school. They're going to be very successful. 
Um, you know, and I think that was the lure from them leaving their other schools to come was to be at a different place. And I think Rowan is a different place. And the profs will get ready for the Kane Cougars as we go around the end jack here and take a look at action last weekend. Kane lost to Franklin and Marshall 40 to 14, fell behind early 23 to 6 heading into halftime. And then the diplomats tagged 17 points on in the third quarter and took it from there to win it. 40 to 14. We talked about the struggles of Kane this season. You know, th- th- how much does that make them a dangerous team? Because you know those, you know, th- those guys feel like they have nothing to lose a- at this point of the year. Scares, scares the heck out of you, really. And as coaches, as soon as you know we won Saturday, in our minds we're all thinking we're going to be up here, back up in North Jersey in Union. Um, you know, facing a team that. You know, you look at them, they're not an 0-18. Like, they're a good football team. Um, you know, like us and everybody else in the conference, we played some really good Centennial teams. The Centennial's really good. Um, they've been close. They're a good football team. We got to be ready for a battle. Um, and, again, it just hasn't clicked for them, and I think the quarterback situation for them has been more cloudy than ours. Perhaps the most shocking score of the weekend, TCNJ beats Salisbury 36 to 27 on the road at Salisbury. At Salisbury, it was 27 to 14 at halftime in favor of the Lions. Y- you know, you it, it's tough to speculate on this, but you know, sometimes you wonder if a team plays game X on the road and gets up for it and then sees a team maybe not as good, and I'm not saying anything lesser of TCNJ, but do you, do you think potentially there was a little bit of a letdown for Salisbury against TCNJ? Might have been, but I also think, you know, when we play teams, we play a very physical style. Teams struggle after playing us, whether it's winning or losing. Um, and I think, you know, my hope is that was a little bit of a hangover effect for Salisbury. That game with us was really physical. And, again, that takes its toll going into the next game. I was nervous going up playing a physical game against Montclair. And Salisbury obviously, you know, played at home against TCNJ. But, again, usually teams after playing us struggle a little bit. Um, but, again, TCNJ is really good against the run. Um, they run the ball really well. So they're going to match up better against Salisbury. Salisbury really can't throw the ball. So, again, if you can hamper it. Interesting in that game, TCNJ gets a turnover quick and goes down and scores. We almost got the turnover against Salisbury and their end. We get that ball, we go down and score. Now it's that game against the option team where they're playing behind. And you want to play them that way because they go by possessions and play the sticks. So, again, TCNJ did a great job. Created early turnover, first possession, go down and score. Now Salisbury's scrambling a little bit to catch up. When With that style of offense, if you try to play catch up, that's not easy to do. You know, then if you could tack another score on like TCNJ did, now it's really stressful. Salisbury can't be as patient. We just weren't able to, you know, to do that as much as possible. And the props, as a result, will look forward to perhaps – some uh, some play in the, the NJAC that moves them up the standings and perhaps maybe past Salisbury. But, coaches, you take a look at the, the Seagulls here um, and the Lions, for that matter. When you're able to kind of establish things on the road early, that has to help. Yeah, it does. When you're playing really well and, 
and and you're playing really well on the road like we have all year, um, again, you know, you look at our record, we're undefeated on the road, and we haven't won at home. Um, you know, when you play on the road, there's less distractions. You're more worried about just the football part of it. Um, but again, you know, that's part of football and part of sports. You have to play well on the road. We have this year with a young team, surprisingly, um, but that's been really good. But again, you don't have the same distractions as you do at home. Christopher Newport on the other side of things in the end, Jack. 33-13 win over William Patterson. It looks like right now they're pretty much in the driver's seat to win the league. Yeah, you know, again, our, us beating Montclair, you know, hurt Montclair's chances um, and gave them, you know, another loss. Um, but again, you know, we're three points away and really close to Christopher Newport. So it's not like we're that far off. Um, but again, it's that type of year up and down all over the place. They've found a way to win games in conference and be able to, you know, keep the role going. So you have to give them credit. So with that win, they'll take on Montclair State coming up this Saturday in a game where they, they can pretty much clinch probably French, uh, clinch the, the end jack. Yep. They have TCNJ left to close the season, but yeah, they're, they're in prime position here to, to win the league. And, you know, we, we've seen a lot of interesting results over the years in the league and, you know, TCNJ won, I believe in 2007, we've seen random winners kind of pop up. But you could kind of see over the last couple of years that Christopher Newport, at times, you can see that they have the tools to put things together offensively, and it looks like now they're they're on their way to possibly winning the conference. Yeah, it's a hotbed for, you know, high school football, that Virginia Beach, Newport News, Virginia area. They get great players. It's a beautiful school. They have the stadium. They have all the things. And they've been competitive from day one. Back when we used to play them, you know, out of conference, they were really competitive. So, um, again, it's just a good program. Um, the coach, young coach, done a really good job of keeping on pace with them. They're a good team. They're, they're tough. And, again, you know, give them a lot of credit, um, you know, for what they're doing um, and trying to, you know, manage through what's a difficult year for all of us. Taking a look at the games that are coming up this weekend in the NJAC. William Patterson on the road at TCNJ. Salisbury steps out of the NJAC to take on McDaniel. And then Montclair State, as we said, against Christopher Newport to round out things as we head down the home stretch here in conference play. It's been a pretty interesting year to kind of watch in the NJAC. We saw William Patterson kind of go up a little bit, and then it's it's been a rough go for them as of late. TCNJ a big-time bounce-back win for them. So it's it's interesting to kind of see the conference go through this this evolution, especially as they play the Centennial Conference this year. Yeah, and I think we're all kind of dealing with that, you know, quarterback. Now, obviously, TCNJ has, you know, a, a more experienced quarterback, but he was hurt against us. Um, it looks like CNU is kind of working around two different quarterbacks. Salisbury a little bit younger. I haven't really looked at Willie P, but I think he's younger. Kane, they're kind of working through it. So those years when there's not a dominant quarterback, you're going to get a lot of parity because they're not dominating offensively. And I think you see that's what's going on in our conference right now. And with that, we will take a final break of the show. And when we come back, it'll be time to go to the uh -oh. Rowan University football fan questions uh -oh. of the week. Juan is back.
He is How dare back. he go on vacation? <laughs> yes, uh, we'll talk all about it coming up here on the Road University Football Coaches Show right here on Road Radio 89.7. WGLS-FM, stay tuned. More from Italian Affair in Glassboro. Headed your way right after this. WGLS-FM programming is made possible in part by the GRASP Coalition, an initiative of the Southwest Council. The GRASP Coalition is dedicated to preventing the abuse of addictive substances through strategic community partnerships. The GRASP Coalition is currently looking for passionate collaborators to join their prevention efforts. Visit their website calendar to discover when you can join the next community coalition meeting. For more information on the GRASP Coalition or the Southwest Council, the website is southwestcouncil.org backslash our dash coalitions. The GRASP Coalition and the Southwest Council are proud to support the programming on Rowan Radio. If you're worried your friend may be struggling, remember, you don't have to be there to be there. You could say how while you will get a fake tattoo. You could ask with an app if it works for you. You could chat on a game, kick off your flip-flops. You could ask on your couch while you binge watch. Whatever, whatever, whatever gets you talking. Reach out to a friend about their mental health. Learn how you can help at SeizeTheAwkward.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, and the Jed Foundation. Tune in the first Saturday of every month at 9 a.m. for Career Talk. Here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS. FM. Host Ruben Britt, Assistant Director of Rowan University's Office of Career Advancement, speaks to prospective employers and offers valuable tips for job seekers looking to compete in the job market. Make the most of your career and listen to Career Talk the first Saturday of every month at 9 a.m. Exclusively on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM and also online at rowanradio.com. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Back here at Italian Affair in Glassboro, Derek Jones and the head coach of Profs Football, Jay Acorsi. As we round things out, as the Profs get ready for Kane coming up on Saturday. We will head to our Rowan University Football Fan Questions of the Week, and we will check in first with Juan, who is back in the mix. By the way, Juan, last week, business trip in Mexico City. Actually oh, how sent- dare him? <laughs> he actually sent a, a nice photo uh, from his trip in Mexico, and he did have a question uh, based off of the Montclair State game. He says, after the MSU game, most of the players walked off the field without shaking hands. The last few MSU games have been heated. Are handshakes still expected, or is this poor sportsmanship on their behalf? What's the expectation for the profs after games? Yep, so the conference made a rule after covid that there would be no handshake lines, um, COVID, touching people, being near people, all those things. So the conference did make a rule change that you don't do that anymore and that you just handshake like, uh, you know, the pro teams, bigger schools, the ones you see on TV. So now I leave it up to the players and said, listen, you want to shake hands? Great. If you don't want to shake hands, don't. It's up to you. I usually run over and shake the head coach's hand. But, again, we leave it up to the players and coaches. So that's why you see it different than what it's ever been before. So it's more up to the players and the coaches as to what they want to do. And I just tell them, listen, if you feel comfortable, you want to say hi to a friend, you want to do whatever, go ahead. If you don't, don't. So it is different than what we've done in the past. Yeah, that, that was a controversial thing in, in basketball, college basketball, a couple of years ago now for different reasons because there were fights <laughs> starting in the handshake lines. But, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a thing. You know, we see it in hockey at the end of a hockey series, a traditional handshake. I mean, is is that something, you know, we've heard that with the whole Tom Brady, Nick Foles thing. 
you know, how, how much of it, that is an unspoken thing, like, hey, let's shake hands after the game kind of deal? Yeah, and, and again, I think most football teams kind of do it. Just say hello to who you want. The old-fashioned handshake line is kind of out the door now. You know, even when we did do it, we had years with problems, and we had to film the video line. And, you know, we've had issues over the years. And, again, it, it's the natural occurrence of things. When you have two teams hitting each other for four quarters, there's going to be some natural tension. Um, so, again, I think the conference made the right choice, decision, just let the players and coaches decide and then go from there. I always do shake hands with the head coach, but we leave it up to the players. If they do, great. If they don't, don't, and then just go your own way. But it is a different policy um, that was enacted after COVID. And that's, a, that's certainly an important distinction to yep. make here as we go to our next question. This is from Brian in Glassboro. He says, in the latest regional rankings, no NJAC schools seem to be there. Your thoughts on that and how that could potentially impact the, the playoff picture? Well, I mean, the automatic bid, we're going to get a team in, so it doesn't matter. You know, I go back to the years we were regionally ranked one and didn't get in the playoffs because we didn't win the conference. So rankings are rankings. Regional rankings are regional rankings. I am on the D3 top 25 coaches poll. I won't say who I vote for. I won't say what I do because I'm not <laughs> supposed to. You know, but again, there's a poll that you go through. I know D3football.com does a poll. Um, you know, but the rankings are just that. It doesn't mean anything. The automatic qualifiers get in. The NJAC has a spot, so somebody from our conference will be represented in the playoffs. Where they go, who they play, that's left up to other people, and a lot of them sometimes don't really know what they're doing. <laughs> it is what it is. He does have a follow-up question as well. Yeah. What do you think the difference is in the conference maybe from right now to maybe five-ish years ago or yeah, so? Yeah, so I think the, new, the state schools are still struggling from COVID, and I mentioned this maybe before, and I mentioned it to somebody else in another interview, um, private schools were able to keep their students. Um, private schools usually give their students more financial help to stay in school. State schools traditionally do not. So as a result, I think all the state schools, all of us, lost a lot of players. We lost 80-something players during COVID. Wow. I wish we didn't. I wish there was a way to keep them. But again, traditionally, state school students are usually going to be a little bit different. Um, and private schools give more money, and they help their students more. So that's why last year and the year before we played Springfield, and they had a bazillion seniors. They were able to keep their, their students. We were not. So if you look at all our rosters, Montclair Kane, Willie P., College Jersey, us, we're a mix of some fifth-year seniors, but if you look, we're a lot of freshmen, sophomores, and still juniors. Our whole team is back next year, except for the few handful of seniors. So... I think that's what you're seeing in the difference in conference and with state schools across the country in Division Three. We're having a harder time during COVID keep our students where the private schools did not have as hard a time. Of course, if you have any questions for the Roan University football fan questions of the week, you can tag us on X. X. That's Twitter, yeah. as, it's, as it used to be known. You can do that by finding us at Rowan Radio or at WGLS Sports. As we round out the show, Coach, best of luck to you this Saturday as the props get set for the Cougars. Thanks. It should be a heck of a game, a lot like last weekend. Um, we need to get on them early. We need to score like we did last week early. We didn't even talk about the opening kickoff 
you know, where we almost scored and I, um, you know, tease Karan Laws. I'm like, yo, dude, you got to be faster. Um, <laughs> but it, it was a great play, and it changed the course of the game for us in the second half and really took the heart out of them a little bit. And it was the blocks all over the field. No question Karan made a great run. But when you see Aeneas Robinson, one of your linebackers, making a block, you know, you see other players on both sides of the ball making blocks. You know, special teams we haven't talked a lot about. That was a huge play for us. We need to continue to do that Saturday. Should be a heck of a football game. It's really tough to play up there. It's really hard. They're going to be really gunning for us. We need to stay clean in state, and we need to stay undefeated in New Jersey, and that's what our goal is Saturday. It should be a heck of a game. It always seems like, you know, for me, following Rowan football, the turn of the season in terms of the temperature, it always feels like when you get to Kane on that schedule, it's it's not 60 degrees anymore outside. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not the blizzard like in 2011. Yeah. Um, but it'll be a little bit colder up in North Jersey. We need to be prepared for that um, and play like we did this past Saturday. I think if we do that, we're, we're going to put ourselves in a position to be successful. Coverage will begin on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM this Saturday at noon with an encore presentation of the Rowan University Football Coaches Show as that will get going at noon, followed by Profs pregame at 12.30, then kickoff at 1 between the Profs and the Cougars. What will be an action-packed Saturday of Rowan Sports because we will have coverage of the New Jersey Athletic Conference Championship game and men's soccer between the Profs and the Montclair State Redhawks. You know, we were talking earlier, it's that we get into late October, November, and it's basketball, it's football, it's soccer. Yep, everything is starting to happen all at the same time. Yep, it's an exciting time, exciting for Rowan Athletics, and again, everybody should be very proud of what we're all doing. Absolutely, and of course, you can check out coverage of the women's NJAC championship game tomorrow at 5 p.m. when the props take on the Lions, two nationally ranked teams vying for the automatic bid in the NCAA tournament. Special thanks to Jake Scheinke and Miles Cook, and of course, as always, head coach of Props Football, Jay Acorsi. I'm Derek Jones saying so long. A tip of the cap back to the studio to Sam DeChusis. Sam has pop flavor, pop flavor on the way coming up in a few moments at the top of the hour. From Italian Affair in Glasgow, we're saying so long. We will talk to you next week on the Rowan University Football Coaches Show right here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. Have a good night, everybody.